do honor fathers. We honor quality men who love God. We honor uh, men who uh, love their families, men who provide for their families, men who lovingly lead their families. But I, but I have to be honest with you, okay? If, if you're here this morning and you're a deadbeat dad, we don't honor you, all right? Let me just be very blunt and transparent. We don't honor you. We love you, okay? We love you, but uh, we want to help you. We want to help you become a quality man, uh, but we don't honor deadbeats. We don't honor men who don't step up to their responsibility of being husbands and fathers. But if you are a father here today who is striving, who is working, and who is trying, we honor you and we respect you, honestly. Before we get into the message this morning, I I just want to make a blanket, heartfelt commendation to Grace Dads. And I, I mean this very sincerely. I would say some of the finest dads I know anywhere in the world are located right here in this congregation. I know many dads here at Grace who are deeply engaged with their kids, who love their kids passionately, who express their love openly and often. They're finding the right balance between discipline and limits and boundaries. They're praying for their kids regularly. They read the scriptures with their kids. These dads set a fantastic example for their children. And on Father's Day weekend, I simply want to say, way to go, Grace Dads. Way to go. Good job. If you guys would just join me in cheering for them, right? Way to go. Keep up the good work. We honor you and we respect you. So now part three of our series this morning called The Man. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that probably annoys most of the men in the room. We're going to talk about the need for structure in our lives. The engineers in the room just got really excited about the message. And uh, the rest of us are looking for the escape route. Many of us don't want structure in our lives because we feel, we have this false belief that structure compromises our ability to be creative or imaginative. We think freedom is a place without structure. We ask ourselves, why in the world would I confine myself to a fixed schedule? Why would I choke my life out with structure? And this morning, I just want to submit the idea to you that intentionally adding structure to our lives, it doesn't choke the life out of us, but rather it adds freedom to our lives. You don't want to wake up six months from now wondering, what in the world did I do the last six months of my life? What have I been doing? My life has no purpose, no direction, no structure. By intentionally adding structure to your life, you will accomplish far more than you did without structure. And strangely enough, structure doesn't hamper creativity. It encourages it. So let's, let's start this morning. It's like, wow, this is weird, right? A message on structure? This is just weird. But I think it's going to be very, very beneficial to you in this room, especially the young men in the room. So let's start by asking that big question of why. 
Man, such a little word, but such a powerful question. Why? Why do we need structure in our lives? And to answer that question, I would just encourage you to look around. Okay? Look around in this room. Look around when you walk outside. Look at the world around you. Consider with me this morning, consider the solar system. Everything has to work just right for life to exist on earth. If the earth was too close to the sun, we would be consumed with fire. If the earth was too far away from the sun, we would freeze to death. Everything has to work just right. Consider the natural laws of science, physics, chemistry, biology. Consider with me the human body. Okay, without structure, everything falls apart. Without skin, I would just leak out onto the floor right here. That'd be weird. The structure of a human body is amazing. It's amazing. The structure of bones and the skeletal system, the eyes, the ears, the brain, lungs, heart, a spleen, muscles, liver, stomach, kidneys, intestines, bladder, veins. I mean, without structure, everything falls apart. And I would give the argument here this morning that we need structure simply to exist. Consider engineering and architecture. Structure was needed for this building that you're sitting in at this very moment to remain standing. Without structure, this building would just collapse in on us. It wouldn't be a pretty sight. On that note, we had to add some structure to this building. Maybe you've been coming for a while now and you've kind of wondered, like, what is the deal with the pole in the middle of the room? And what is the deal with this pole? Like, what is the deal? Hey, no, this church wasn't a nightclub before it became a church, okay? But about 15 years ago, the roof actually was collapsing in, okay? The walls, it wasn't built right. The structure wasn't right. And the walls began to fall outward. The building was beginning to fall inward. And we had to add structure to this building so that it wouldn't implode. That's why the poles are holding up the roof. So every Sunday, you can kiss the pole, okay? Because it's keeping you alive right now. But I, I say all that to say, without structure, everything falls apart. So what about your life? What about your life? Ah, man, structure's good for everything else. You know, the solar system, I get that, a building, duh. But I don't want it, right? Not my life. I want freedom. Yeah, freedom, man. I submit to you that without structure, your life will fall apart. In order to live, you've got to have the basic necessities of life. You've got to have food and water and shelter you got to have some money. Money is pretty important to having the necessities of life. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 19 says that money answers all things. So to get a house, to buy some bread, to put some clothes on your back, you need some money. 
In order to have some money, you have to have a job. In order to keep a job, you have to consistently show up on time. To show up on time means you probably should get to bed on time, which means there's some structure that's needed in your life for your life to work. In order for you to go to work, you've got to have some energy, which means you need to eat some food. You know, there's just, we're just considering a few things about your personal care. Now throw into the mix a family, your wife, your children, you know, your immediate family who are different individuals, different personalities. They have different hopes and different dreams. Whew, I'm getting worn out just thinking about it. Without structure, your life will fall apart. Without structure, your family will fall apart. The opposite of structure is chaos. Some of you still aren't convinced. I can just see it on your facial expressions. You hate structure because it forces you to be responsible. It forces you to act like a man. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. To be very blunt with you, young men in the room, there's some of you that need to memorize that verse. Hang it on the ceiling above your bed and let it just soak into you. Because you need to quit being a man-child and you need to start acting like a man. Without structure, your life will fall apart. It's time to act like men. Now the lack of structure, it hurts you and it hurts the people around you. Without structure, you're going to burn out. And you're going to use people instead of love people. So I want to just start out by giving us some warning signs. You know when you're driving a car and you see the temperature gauge go up, it's warning you that something bad is about to happen to your car. Let me give you some warning signs that you can kind of think about in your life to see where you're at on, on this scale of where am I at? Am I about to burn out? Am, do I need to add some structure to my life? How do you know if you're burnt out? I'll give you six signs to know that you're about to crash and burn because of a lack of structure in your life. Number one, you can see it in your notes there. I highly encourage you to write this down. Number one, you know you're about to burn out because of a lack of structure because you do everything yourself. You do everything. You do it all. You have to do everything because there's no structure in place to help you. Number two, you trust no one, which leads you to do everything yourself because you don't trust anybody. I got to do it. If I don't do it, it won't get done right. Number three, you take all the glory for yourself. Since you're doing everything, you think you're all that and a bag of potato chips. Okay, You think you are the man because you're doing everything. So you take the glory. You're stealing the glory from God. Number four, too many secrets. You have far too many secrets in your life. 
Because without structure, there's no accountability. And without accountability, you won't deal with your secrets. Number five, you control everything. You are a control freak. We talked about this last week. And and I just want to encourage you, man, you've got to loosen your grip. Otherwise, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. But you don't loosen your grip. You remain tight-fisted because of a lack of structure in your life. And then number six, you're too busy. Way too busy. And often, you're too busy for people. The lack of structure, church, leads us to burn out. Moses, often referred to as one of the greatest leaders in history, was on the edge of burnout because of a lack of structure in his life. Moses was trying to lead close to a million people all by himself. People were having disputes with each other. You can imagine, right, a million people. There's going to be a few disagreements, a few disputes. They were having disputes, and Moses was the only one who could hear their case and make a decision on their case. People, lots of people were waiting from morning until night to meet with Moses. Okay, this is like the biggest log jam you can imagine. There was no structure. And in Exodus chapter 18, Jethro, a priest who was Moses' father-in-law, brought this to Moses' attention. And let's read it together in Exodus chapter 18, verses 17 through 26. We're just going to pick out a few verses here. But he says, this is not good. This is Jethro talking to Moses. This is not good, Moses' uh, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. Remember, a lack of structure doesn't only hurt you, it hurts the people around you. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Every leader... Every father, every boss, every, every leader is limited in what he or she can do for people. Jethro suggested that Moses put some structure around his leadership to better care for the people. He just said, Moses, this isn't good, man. This is not working. This is hurting you and your health. You're going to burn out and you're hurting the people because they're, the, did you see that line? Of people? Come on, man, this isn't working. Look at verse 21. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. He's adding some structure. Verse 22. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures. And all these people will go home in peace. And the next statement is crucial to the success of leaders 
Moses listened. Come on, are you with me? Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice. One of the most frustrating things in leadership is giving counsel to someone, watching them do a nosedive, watching them crash and burn. You offer advice and they don't listen. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and he followed his suggestions. Many of us don't like structure. Let's just be honest, okay? Here's the honest truth. Many of us don't like structure because we want to do whatever we want to do. It comes down to the fact that we're actually really rebellious and we're really stubborn and we think we know it all. We don't want accountability and we definitely don't want someone telling us what to do. We end up doing what we want without any structure and in the process we hurt ourselves and we hurt those around us and it ends up being the ones that are closest to us. Moses got to the very edge of burnout because there was no support structure around him. He was doing it all himself. He was pushed to the very limit and he reached the end of his spiritual, his mental, and his physical strength. He got to the point that God Himself had to confront him. Look at Numbers chapter 11, beginning in verse 10. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents, whining. Okay, man, when you get to this point, you're like, you're done with people. All right? And the Lord became extremely angry. And Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, Why? He's talking directly to God. Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. You see, burnout leads to a point where sadly, you start to point the finger at God. And you start to blame Him. Moses is talking to God and he says, What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Man. Woo! Moses is getting feisty with God. Did I bring them into this world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get the meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, saying, give us meat to eat. Okay? Fellas, quit whining. I'll give you meat after the sermon, alright? Seriously, this is appropriate for this message. Verse 14. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. Men... Let me ask you, have you ever felt this way? I have to be honest with you, humbly, and almost just like in a repentant attitude. I've felt this way far too often. Have you ever felt this way with your with your family? I'm not talking your church family, I'm talking your immediate family. Have you ever felt this way with your job? Moses got to the point he couldn't take it anymore. Moses was burnt out. And because of burnout, Moses offered one of the saddest prayers 
a God-chosen leader can pray. Look at verse 15. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Moses was in trouble. He's not in a good place. He was blaming God for his dilemma and he wanted out. He wanted out. So church, we're in this predicament where we see clearly that Moses is about to quit and he's asking God, he's being feisty with God. He says, God, just kill me. So the question I have to ask is, what did God do? What did God do? What did God say in this situation? How did God solve this dilemma? Let me just be clear. God didn't take the problems away. Okay, If you come into Christianity, you come to Christ, and you expect God to take all your problems away, you're fooling yourself. Okay, it's, it's, It doesn't work that way. He didn't make everything all nice and easy for Moses. Here's what God did. God simply leads Moses to put some structure around his leadership. Check this out. This is amazing. And let me just remind you, this is directly from God. Look at verse 16 and 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, directly from the Lord, Gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. Another way you could say this is, Moses, you can't do this all by yourself. You need some good men around you. Look at verse 17, the end of verse 17. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. Let me just be clear, church, because some people have messed up views of God. God does not want to overburden His servants. He doesn't want them to break down physically and emotionally. God has no satisfaction in seeing one of His servants broken and asking for death. That's that's not God's intention. That's not His plan. That's not what He wants. God told Moses to structure his leadership in such a way that he didn't have to carry all the weight himself. And here we see Moses referred to as one of the greatest leaders in all of history. Struggling, making mistakes, needing help, needing feedback and advice from others. Moses was doing a good service, but it wasn't good leadership. Consider with me, this morning, the example of the early church in Acts chapter 6, verses 1-7. through seven. If you remember, the early church was growing rapidly. The Scripture says in one day, they added over 5,000 people. So it was growing rapidly. Many problems began to arise. I'm sorry, people. Whenever there's a bunch of people, there's problems, right? Uh, people say, hey, I want a perfect church. Then I'm like, this isn't the church for you, Okay. Man, where there's people, there's problems. Many problems began to arise, including discrimination and dissatisfaction. The church was growing very fast, and interpersonal problems were popping up all over the place. So to better care for the people in the church, 
structure was needed. The apostles, man, they acted quickly. They, they enacted a decision-making process. They involved people in finding a practical solution. They delegated some leadership which freed them up to concentrate on the more important matters of prayer and teaching and preaching. Instead of getting you know, into crisis management mode, they carefully selected leaders to help carry the burden. And they had clear standards as to the selection of those leaders. Without structure, the early church would have failed. Structure doesn't inhibit or constrain. Structure clarifies. It frees and it releases leaders to lead. Leadership, okay? Leadership shows up in three ways. And without structure, leadership can be very devastating to everyone involved. Without structure... Leadership usually shows up this way. Number one, leadership usually shows up by doing things for people. Without structure, leaders end up doing things for people. And this type of leadership makes people dependent upon the leader. It's like a nursing baby on a mother's breast. Without it, they don't function right. And this is not a healthy form of leadership. Okay? Man, we don't want you to be dependent upon one man. We want you to be dependent upon Jesus Christ. Okay? It's just like a nursing baby on a mother's breast. This type of leadership is not right. And it's just just like it's not right to see a 25-year-old man, right? Nursing from his mother's breast. Eventually, people have to grow up. They have to grow up. They can't be dependent upon the leader for everything. Secondly, without structure, leaders end up doing things to people. Okay, They usually do things for people or they do things to people. These type of leaders use people instead of love people. And this type of leadership involves manipulation and abuse and leading through fear and shame and guilt and all kinds of other evils. But let me tell you, the best form of leadership, the best form of leadership involves great structure. And it's exercised by number three, doing things through people. This is called empowerment. Okay, This type of leadership has the structure in place to develop people, to raise up leaders. And this type of leadership was modeled by God Himself. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18-20. through 20. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The plan from God was to do the work of making disciples through people. Okay, he didn't do it for us, he didn't do it to us. His plan was to reach the world through us. God gave us a huge commission to make disciples of all nations, but he didn't leave us without any structure. He left us his word as a guide to instruct 
to give us the instructions we needed to accomplish the task. He also left us His Holy Spirit to indwell us, to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us along the journey, and to convict us when we stray. God modeled this type of leadership for us. So, so you may be here this morning, and you're like, all right, enough about structure, man. I get it. All right, I, I understand. I need some structure. But how in the world do I do it? How do I structure an unstructured life? So I'm going to just finish this morning's message by giving you some practical thoughts as to how you can add some healthy structure to your life. And let me just start by saying this. This isn't in your notes, but I, I highly encourage you to write this down. I believe sometimes the best place to start in adding structure to your life, structure that's going to help you and guide you, the best place to start is with your calendar. There is power in a calendar. Because the fact is, is every single one of us have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What are you doing with your days? Simply putting your activities, what you do day in and day out on a calendar, will often expose things that, that you need to change or uh, adjustments you need to make. So that, that's where I would start, is just list out what you do day in and day out. What does your week look like? Start with a calendar. Also, to add the right structure to your life, I would say that you need to better understand your life. For many years, I, I worked in the restaurant world, managing restaurants, and uh, we had to take inventory every week. And depending on how busy the restaurant was, sometimes we had to do inventory every day. When, uh, you know, when we would do inventory, we had to make sure we, we, we got the right order, we, we got the right amount of food, supplies. And the whole purpose of this was so that we wouldn't have to tell a hungry individual, sorry, but we ran out. Right? That was like the death knell in a restaurant. And let me just say, people can be downright angry about their food. So we did our best to take a good inventory so the restaurant was, would succeed. But let me just ask you, have, have you ever done an inventory of your life? Have you ever done an inventory of your life to, under, uh, excuse me, to better understand your life? You say, man, how would I do that? How would I take an inventory of my life? You could take an inventory by using the tool that I shared with you during uh, a Life of Stewardship series. Okay, so let me just draw this out again for you so that you can understand. This is a great tool to do an inventory for your life. You can take an inventory of your faith. Like, what is this whole church thing about? What's this thing with Jesus I don't know much about it, you know, or maybe you are more mature in your faith, but take an inventory of your faith, and I would ask you to say, what is your current state? All right, some of us remember this. But where are you at right now in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Okay, in your faith. And then you, you start dreaming and you start thinking about where you want to be. And this is your future state. Where am I at right now? Where do I want to be? Man, he was talking about that dad that prays with his kids and reads the scripture with his kids. And, you know, I'm not that dad. I'm not that dad. That's my current state. But you know what? I want to be that dad. 
So sometimes when you draft out where are you at right now, you start thinking about where you want to be, it always exposes okay, a gap for you to get from here to there. But you have to you have to draft out like where am I at right now? Where do I want to be? And then it exposes some immediate steps that you can take to get to your future state, to where you want to be. Take an inventory of your faith. The next thing you can do, you can take an inventory of your family. Okay, what's your current state? Where would you like to be with your family? What's the gap? What about your career? I'm talking to more and more people who are very dissatisfied in their job and in their career. And I always just say, hey, there's, there's more jobs out there. So, man, start dreaming. Start praying specifics about what you want to do with your life. Where are you at right now in your career? Where do you want to be? And start making some decisions. Start taking steps. Okay? What about your finances? This is a huge one. Most Americans do not have a personal budget. Gosh, there's got to be some structure around your finances. Okay? If you want to get out of debt, it doesn't happen all by itself. You have to have a plan. You have to put some structure around it. What's your current state? Okay, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs, man. It's up to here. Hey, join the rest of Americans, okay? But let's get to a future state of getting out of debt. What is that gap? What are those steps that you can take to get there? Lastly, I believe one of the best ways that you can add structure to an unstructured life, and let me just say this, church, this is where we're going with our vision, okay? We want you to come to a big gathering like this, but you're not, let's be frank, you're not going to meet people and build solid relationships like this. So you come to a big group like this, and it's great. There's some synergy. But then we get smaller by going to small groups, you know, where there's like 12 people. But then from there, we want to get even smaller. And we believe that the best way to add structure around your life is to get in a personal discipling relationship. To get with another brother, another sister in, in Christ, and really... Encourage one another. We all need people in our lives who will challenge us to be more like Christ. Remember God's answer to Moses' dilemma? He said, get some good men around you. Why? Like, Why do I need that? Why can't I just do it on my own? Because we all need support. We all need feedback. We all need people who, I'm going to break it down for you. We need people who will tell us three things. In your notes, write this down. We need people who will tell us three things. We need people who will tell us, when to first of all, when to stop. We need people who will lovingly say the hard things to us. People who will help us to chase down sin in our lives. People who will ask us the tough questions. You need someone in your life who isn't afraid to say, Dude, right? Do you not see the edge of the cliff that your path is going off of? Do you not see that you're about to take a nosedive and it's going to hurt? Dude, you got to change your course. you got to change your path. Stop in the direction that you're going. Do something different. Change your course. Secondly, 
We need people who will tell us when to step up. Man, one of my brothers that I meet with regularly, a couple weeks ago, he called me and he was going through a struggle. And he simply said this. He said, Justin, can you give me a pep talk? And he told me the situation. And he was very blunt with me. He just said, I need encouragement, man. Can you give me a pep talk? I'm like, I wasn't a cheerleader, man, but here we go, you know. But I encouraged him, like, okay, you got to step up in this situation. This is a critical moment right now in your life, and this is what separates the men from the boys. And I encourage you to be a man in this situation. And I said some other things and tried to quote some Scripture to him, but I tried to encourage him to step up. Because we all have blind spots. We all have things that we're not doing. And we need people who will lovingly guide us and give us some specific action steps. Someone who will say, come on, man. Come on, step up. Do the right thing. Or someone that will say, come on, let's figure this out. Let me, let me work on this with you. And then lastly, we all need people who will give us. And let me just say this. This is for the ladies too, okay? All this stuff. It's not just for men. But lastly, we need people who will give us an attaboy. Sometimes we need to hear, good job. Good job. Like, you're doing it, man. You're doing it. Attaboy. We need someone who will walk through life with us. We, we basically, I mean, to break it down really simply, we need friends. We need a genuine friend who loves you, who cares about the direction of your life, okay? who prays for you, who chases down sin with you, someone who encourages you, and someone who tells you good job every once in a while. Man, we all need that. And that's where we're going. That's the vision of our church. We believe the best way to make disciples of Jesus Christ, which is the win for our church, we want to be a church that makes disciples. And the best way to do that is if we have healthy disciples. If you're not healthy, we want to get you healthy so that you can make disciples of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, we have some structure here at Grace Church because we believe it helps to empower people. Structure doesn't choke the life out of us. Rather, it helps us to live lives with greater purpose and greater freedom. But I I would just say, if you want to get in a personal discipling relationship, I would encourage you, I think the best place to start is just to talk to your small group leader today. I just ask them what it's about. Um, ask her what it's about, and, and that would be a, a great place to start. But by simply adding some structure to your life, you will accomplish far more than you did without structure. And strangely enough, structure doesn't hamper creativity. It encourages it. A structured life leads you to action instead of reaction. So I just want to encourage you again, make some decisions today. Take some steps. Begin living your life on purpose with great drive and determination. All right? We're going to close out the sermon today by celebrating fathers. The moment's coming. I can smell it. We honor dads here at Grace Church. We really do. And uh, I just want to say, dads, the role that you play is so vital not only to your own children, but to society as a whole. And uh, if you've known me for
for any amount of time, you know that I have a huge heart for men and I'm burdened to see men step up for Christ. Because honestly, I'm just tired of getting phone calls from broken women and broken families because of a man. I'm just, I'm done, man. I got one just a couple days ago. Can you, can you put me up in a motel because cause my boyfriend is in jail? And we've been living with my mom down in the basement. And my, you know, his mom kicked me out. And, you know, it's like, yeah, we put her, we put her up in a motel. But it's like, I'm just done. I'm done hearing that. Done. Man, you're, the, the role you play, dads, is so vital. Let me just say, too, the one who raises a child is called a father not the one who simply helped to make it. It's not about making babies. It's about raising babies. Don't ever underestimate the influence of a father. And dads, I want to thank you for the hard work that you do. Once again, we have some of the best dads in the world. And since I have the microphone, I have to say, mine's probably the best. I love you, Dad. All right? Seriously, such a great example to follow. So today, so man, we're going to bless you with an amazing gift made by one of the best chefs in Durango, Arnold Safari. And I'll just say this, okay? Maybe you know what it is, maybe you don't. I just hope you're not a vegetarian today. <laughs> I think there's actually some little peppers in between the meats. You can eat that. But I'm going to ask all the dads if you would stand this morning. Um, and... We love these men, and I'm so thankful that they're trying and they're working and they're striving to be the best men that they can possibly be. I pray that your hand of blessing and favor would be upon them and that we would see not only them, but we'd see more men in La Plata County step up and act like men and step up to the responsibility of being godly husbands and being godly fathers. And Lord, I pray that this would just be the beginning, this group of men right here. We would see more and more men and it would just, man, it would start a revival in this community, Father. And uh, we just love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, dads, thank you again for working, for leading. Ladies, come on in. All right.